Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics and you get sports. And we've been doing a lot of comics and nerd stuff recently and haven't really been hitting the sports because there hasn't been a lot of big news going on. And we weren't going to record a podcast this week because of uh, Victoria Day up here in Canada. But whenever a Toronto franchise, you know, uh, signs a big name free agent, we are going to have to have a conversation with Craig Needles. Craig, how's it going, buddy? Been a pretty good day. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, must be feeling big. I mean, like it. It happens once every decade or so. I think, doesn't it? That that a Toronto franchise decides to actually pick up the biggest free. Because, like, make no mistake, Mark. Like Mike Babcock is the biggest free agent out on the market. Oh, unquestionably. Hockey wise, and the Leafs went and snared him, and it's it's pretty good considering what's what else is going on with the current Toronto franchises. I mean the. Uh, Raptors were unceremoniously teabagged and uh, swept out of the playoffs by my favorite uh, basketball player of all time, Paul Pierce. The Jays are, um, I mean, I I don't want to use the word embarrassment, but I'm pretty close to using the word embarrassment. And, you know, the Leafs haven't been great, but here we are. So I'm going to, I'm just going to let you, let you go and say what you want to say about the the Leafs bringing in the biggest free agent of this offseason. Well, this is awesome on a variety of levels, and, and there are two main points on this. One, it's the Leafs have the best coach in the NHL. They're the most well-regarded coach in the entire league. This is significant. This is someone with a Stanley Cup win. This is someone with multiple Olympic gold medal wins. This is someone who's consistently put up great teams everywhere he's been on every level. And, yeah, he's had a lot of talent in a lot of the places. If you look at Detroit, he's, he's had tons of talent there. But it's not as though he hasn't used it properly and, yeah, maybe they've had a couple playoff rounds where they've gone out, but they, I don't think they've ever gone out against a team that was not better than they were. Um, just an incredible success with the Red Wings. And I understand they had that prospect pipeline as well, but we've seen coaches have a whole lot of talent and wreck it because they don't use it properly, don't deploy it properly. Babcock certainly does. Uh, really, really excited to have him. So that's step one as to why I'm excited. And we can get into the more of the specifics about why he's a good coach in just a few minutes. But step two is, and this is something that happens whenever the Leafs do well, and this is why I miss the Leafs doing well so much, is all the fans of the other team in, in the league start crying and pissing and moaning about things, and the Leafs do well. And the Leafs went out and got, like you said, the most high-profile free agent on the market this offseason. And, of course, the whining starts coming from the typical places, from Western Canada from Buffalo, and the Buffalo beat writers were beside themselves. Oh, Mike Babcock, you didn't do right by the process, blah, 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 blah. The people in Detroit are relatively cool about things. They understood, look, the guy went and got paid. That's, that's his prerogative. But, yeah, so it was not only the Leafs getting a great coach. It was that paired with the typical whining you get from Western Canada and Buffalo and places like that. It just made it a, a really, really good day. Oh yeah, like I mean, I I'm I should preface this by saying uh, you're a Leafs fan. I'm not. I but I I do enjoy these. So like I enjoy both the roller coaster ride of when the Leafs aren't doing well and the the you know the Toronto media is just you know always ready to you know someone's got to be traded or someone's got to be fired or, or why 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 is this happening? Why is it like just like oh my god like but. Babcock, I mean, Detroit, they're pretty bad, but 
Actually, I don't know. Like the, the Detroit beat writers and whatnot, they're not that bad from what I've heard. No, I no. Mean, I mean, good. and uh, like I said, the, thing, uh, the people at Detroit were pretty cool about things. Oh, they, and, and okay, this guy went out and found a, a gold mine. Who are we to judge him for saying, "Yeah, I'll take that, please"? Uh, not his fault. So what, they 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 are pretty cool about things. Ken Holland, I think, was pretty cool about things as well. He didn't come out and get all blustery about things. And it's easy to be cool about things when you've made the playoffs for 24 consecutive years and you've won the Stanley Cup four times in that in that span. It's easy to be cool about things in that situation. And the Red Wings have always had the penchant for being like, okay, well, we lost Scotty Bowman. What the heck did we do? Well, we brought in Mike Babcock right after that, right? right? And yeah, directly after, but eventually they find someone. If they go out and get yeah. Phil, who was and continues to be the coach of their AHL franchise, which has been very successful in recent years. Uh, I, I would have seen no reason why we wouldn't continue to think that things are just going to progress the way they have. Yeah, and he won an AHL title recently, didn't he? Yeah, 2013 they won. They're and they're in the final four right now. So yeah, so yeah, he's they like they're they're bringing in a guy who looks like he's going to be ready to go right off the hop. But I mean, like I can see Buffalo being pretty ticked off. But like it was really weird because it came down to four teams, right? It was he was either going to resign with the Red Wings, he was either going to go to Toronto for the big payday, which is ended up happening. Or he was going to go to Buffalo, where Buffalo was, you know, Buffalo they, they was were offering apparently almost as much money, if not more money, than the Leafs. I, you know what? I honestly believe. I think that he looked at the dollars and cents, and he looked at the rosters. And I know Buffalo's about to get Jack Eichel, but honestly, when you talk about young pieces you want in your team, don't Morgan Riley and William Nylander rank ahead of anyone Buffalo has, other than like about to get Jack Eichel? Yeah, that's true. And, and then on top of that, like, you know, Buffalo, sure, they're about to get Jack Eichel. Toronto's about to get Mitch Marner or someone like that. So it's not as though Toronto isn't getting somebody pretty good out of this draft, too, or at least someone has a chance to be good. What so if they have again, the four? rosters on paper and said, you know what, these are relatively similar rosters. Yeah, Toronto has a few more deadweight veterans that maybe have to go. But he, I think he saw the rosters being relatively similar as far as how quickly can I win with these rosters. So it came down to... Not dollars and cents, not rosters, but where would you rather live if you were a human being who gets to choose where you live? Toronto, Ontario, one of the greatest cities in the world. You can live in any sort of neighborhood if you're making as much money as this guy's going to make. Or do you want to live in Buffalo, New York? I think that's a pretty easy decision. And I like to imagine that, like, Babcock, like, they, the, Toronto has already done everything. Except, like, I'm surprised they haven't already started building the statue. <laughs> for for Mike Babcock, I mean, like, like I just I just assumed him signing with Toronto was enough for them to be like, all right, start the statue, let's get it out front. Who cares how he does? Um, I forgot to if mention. If he wins there, yeah. If, oh God, yes. If he wins there, and I'm sure this is part of the deal. If he wins there, um, he becomes an immortal. He's the guy with multiple Stanley Cups, multiple gold medals. If he wins as the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I, uh, he's got an eight year window at least. Um, he becomes just a superhero. And that has to be part of it, too. If he wins in Buffalo, like, whatever, great. You won the Stanley Cup in Buffalo. Good job. But if he wins in Toronto, he wins in Toronto, you know? If he wins in Toronto, he would never have to walk like, anywhere. Oh, People would carry would him. carry him anywhere he wanted to go. Like, you remember you remember the Dave Chappelle sketch where Dave Chappelle was Puff Daddy, and then he was just like, I'm going to take a nap. And then he falls over and his bodyguard carries him out of the room. Like Bab Mike Babcock will be able to do that to anybody. Yeah. He'll just be like, I'm going to take a nap and then like fall over and someone will pick him up and carry him wherever he wants to go. Um, 
the fourth team that I was going to mention that was in the running um, up until a couple days ago when they unceremoniously took themselves out of the Babcock running to hire somebody I like I'd never even heard of before. Um, uh, yeah, Park stole the Philadelphia Flyers stole or whatever. I don't follow U.S. college hockey enough. Apparently, he's good at his job. I don't yeah. follow hockey closely enough to know what the deal with that guy is. No, I I honestly thought well, apparently he coached like heck like Ron Hextall's son. Yeah, or something like that. Like he coached it was just Ron like, Hextall's son. He also coached Jonathan Taves, who I guess is good. He coached yeah. Oshi, also pretty good. Like they've they've had very good teams there, and if. It's unusual, but you can put the the alumni of the North Dakota Fighting Sioux up against the alumni of some CHL teams and have it be somewhat comparable. Whereas with most NCAA institutions, that just is impossible. Um, however, you don't see a lot of guys go from NCAA head coach to coach in the NHL. There's usually a stop somewhere in between. Yeah, like, yeah, just... It's a hell of a jump and a hell of a dice roll. I mean, I, to me, it reeks of the Flyers just being a flyer. You know, Thank like you they, don't, they don't have the track record with that, and they like they they it, it to them this feels like the coaching equivalent of them throwing all that money at who the heck was that goaltender they had in Ilya Brizgalov. Brizgalov, thank you. In 2011, um, God, they gave him a lot of money, and it was not. Uh, just well then. I mean, um, where do you think the Leafs go from here? Where do the Leafs go from here? That's a great question. Here's what I'll say. You're keeping Phil Kessel. Yes. Well, let, let me interrupt. Before you get started, what pick do they have again? Remind Four. me what pick they have. Four? To me, I just, I've probably said this to you about a million times. If he's there, take Noah Hannafin. Like, just, like, I, I think Noah Hannafin is Chris Pronger 2.0. I think he's going to be a fan and at the, the thought of Noah Hannafin being coached by Mike Babcock. Like, I think that would just be. What if I, Mitch Marner is Patrick Kane 2.0? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, they both went to the same place. London Knights stand up. Right. But and I just, you don't have the defender you need. And I just think if you let Noah Hannafin go, you're, you're passing up on a guy who. Here's what I'll say about that whole discussion. We can do draft stuff later on. There's going to be lots of time for that. Uh, what I'll say is the bust rate on defensemen in the top 10 is much higher than the bust rate on forwards. And that's not yeah. his fault, but that's just the way things are. And if you look at the people who are in the Leafs front office right now, you've got Mark Hunter in there, and they've brought in some people that are known associates of Mark Hunter. Um, I really think that it's going to be Marner if they have the chance. But yeah. Again, that's that's uh, that's a little while from now. And look, I think that there's every chance in the world that Marner is a Patrick Kane-like player. Oh, he's going to be fantastic. I just... yeah, and the thing about that is you just don't find those guys. Guys with that much skill with the puck are just not readily available. Um, but again, we can get into the drafting later. But I think that's what they're going to do if they have the chance. Like, I really, I just, yeah, like, if you're going to take Marner, because you know I watched a lot of Marner this year, because my OHL team does happen to be the London Knights. I like. I think if I guess if you take Marner, I won't be upset. I just I this is just me personally. I really believe I'm going to go on Noah Hannafin Island and say that I I think he's going to be Chris Pronger 2.0. And Chris Pronger was a guy who took not one but two teams to the Stanley Cup Finals pretty much single handedly. Um, 
anyway, uh, yeah. let's let's get back to what you think the next move. So that you think the Leafs are obviously keeping Phil Kessel, who, by the way, if like let's say that the Leafs start off slow next year, Phil Kessel's probably going to have nowhere to hide after. No, after and this. I can already hear like. Steve Simmons has already probably written his. Not even Mike Babcock can um, get Phil Kessel going. Get Phil Kessel yeah. uh, to to play hard. He's already probably already written that column, and he's waiting until Kessel goes six games without scoring a goal to post it. Like he's already probably yeah. that column sitting in his back pocket for later on. Um, and he he won't be the only one. There will be a whole bunch of people in the Toronto media that are waiting with the knives for this to fail. But I just think you have to see what Kessel can do with Babcock with more optimal usage, which Babcock will give him because we know he gives his players optimal usage. And he's not going to be, like, hypothetically saddled with Tyler Bozak, maybe. So there are – there you, you keep Kessel. That's just what has to be done. I think you keep Phaneuf for the same reason. When we talked about the way Phaneuf was used under Randy Carlisle, he wasn't used in a way that would benefit his skills as a defenseman. He was used like he was – Oh, what's a what's a good example? He was used like he was Chris Pronger, to bring up a name that you were talking about earlier. And Dion Phaneuf isn't Chris Pronger. Dion Phaneuf is a pretty good NHL defenseman, I think. I, I still believe that, but he's not Chris Pronger. And I think Babcock will use him in a smarter way. He maybe won't bury him with the zone starts as much. And, and maybe that's going to mean that Riley and Gardner have to do a few of the defensive zone starts, and, and that might not go well at the start. But I think that that is going to be what happens in the long term. Um I just, I just believe you give both those guys another chance at the new coach, new situation, fresh start, uh, not with things already in, in a downward spiral. So you do that. As for everyone else on the roster, as far as the the veteran guys go, I still think you can move Lupul if you get the chance. I think that you don't sit and wait for his value to rebound because he might get hurt and his value may not rebound. If you can get him dealt this summer, I think you may have to do it. If you have a chance to get Bozak dealt this summer for just about anything, I think that you have to do it. I'm on record as someone who does not think Tyler Bozak is particularly well-suited to have a contract that he does. He's certainly not particularly well-suited to be a first-line center in the NHL, as some people in the old Toronto Maple Leafs front office believed. So if you have a chance to move Tyler Bozak, you absolutely do it. As for the rest of the roster, I don't think there's anyone that they have to be itching to move. They shouldn't trade Nazi Nazi. They shouldn't be in a rush to trade just about anybody else. There isn't anyone else with particularly owner's contract, in my estimation, other than the players we just talked about. James Van Riemsdyk, I guess you can trade him if someone comes in with this crazy offer, but I don't think that's happening. So I think that you roll in there with some changes to the group you put out there last season, but you're going to have a little more cap space. Maybe you can make some trades. There's going to be some good teams this summer that have to sell off parts because they're in desperate need of creating some cap space. We talked about the Chicago Blackhawks. We have to say the same thing about the Boston Bruins once again. There are going to be some other teams that are in a similar predicament. So maybe try to get some talent off those teams. So I think that's what's next. But it's hard to predict with this front office. Look, I didn't think they had a chance to get Babcock, and they wound up doing it. So maybe they do something off the board again. Do the Leafs have the pieces in your estimation, to get Leon Drysaddle from Edmonton? If they really wanted to, I think they could do Riley for Drysaddle, but I don't think that either team is going to be in a rush to do that deal. But I think no. that if you're talking about a one-for-one -one deal with those two rosters... No, I was, maybe if you could 
if you had the contracts or whatever to move for because like that dry saddle trade is coming or because like Edmonton's gonna have to trade one of those guys to get some defensive help right and it's probably it's not gonna be it's not gonna be McDavid it's not gonna be Nugent Hopkins I get that yeah it's not gonna be McDavid or Nugent Hopkins I don't think it's gonna be Taylor Hall either but um like I'm just talking about the guys who play center uh maybe the Everly I don't know what what they're gonna do I think that they're going to try to just see what happens when you just throw a bunch of guys of that level of talent out there and you finally have competent people in the front office and you finally have competent people um, behind the bench. I think that's what's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, did you happen to catch Andrew Shaw's headbutt goal yeah. last night? Or non-goal, I should say? Yeah, I thought that was tremendous. That should count. Yeah, I, here, I, I thought it should too, but when I watched the replay, I, I, I something occurred to me that um might like if if you were going to argue against why this should not count um well first off it's the first time it's happened in the history of the league and quite frankly it'll probably never happen again so that's probably a good reason to never um just you know jump and change rule the other one was andrew shaw got airborne like both of his skates left the ground when he did that and we're talking about if you allow heading goals into the net to become like a soccer thing that people try, you can't have guys leaving their feet and coming down. Cause eventually someone's going to come down and catch a guy on who's like, cause you know, people slide in front of the net and try to block shots and stuff. Right. And you're going to get a scramble where a guy jumps up and tries to headbutt a puck and then comes down on somebody with his skate. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a wet blanket, but like as awesome as that was, I thought that was the greatest thing of all time. But then I thought about it and I was like, eh, maybe you don't want guys yeah. going airborne, coming down with yeah, giant I, I, dives. I, 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 but the, the thing is to me, and this has just always been my theory, as long as no one is closing their hand on the puck or making a kicking motion because that's dangerous, you should just allow just about anything else. But yeah, and maybe not a stick. Maybe not the stick above the crossbar thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's a good rule too. Like unless it, it has a chance to be dangerous for somebody else on the ice, uh, you 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 should allow it in my estimation. But I don't know. I I get what you're saying. That there there is a scenario where that does become dangerous. But you're right when you say we probably will never have to talk about this again. Yeah, I mean, I just it was so awesome. Like somebody, I don't know if you know, um, somebody put um, uh the clip of that header goal with Roy Hudson and Roy Hudson is that um, English announcer. I'm sure you've heard him. I don't know if you know him by name, but he's that English announcer that one with the kind of high pitched voice who whenever, when, you know, like, uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, a score a crazy goal and he just goes off and, and someone put like one of his calls, like where he goes, you know, Oh, a goal of orgasmic proportions. And, and, you know, and he just, and it's like, he's the guy who goes way over top yeah. um, with the goal calls and stuff. And it was pretty hilarious when they synced him up with the, the, the Andrew uh, Shaw headbutt goal. Um, the NHL playoffs have certainly picked up since that uh, pretty boring first round. Um, we both had the same picks for this particular uh, well we first off we both predicted back before the playoffs started a Blackhawks lightning uh first round and we're we're, we're getting kind of close to that all the Blackhawks are pretty banged up um what do you make of uh what's going on in uh Hawks Ducks so far um 
yeah, you know, it's going okay. Uh, obviously, triple overtime game was fun. I didn't really get a chance to watch much, but I was in bed. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Just stay up for that one. No, I did not. Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a good series, and I think it has been a good series so far. I just think that Chicago always finds a way to pull out this sort of series. Just That's just classic them, and the last night's game was an example of that. And Maybe eventually this, the, it, it goes away, but uh, I, I think that Chicago is slightly deeper than the Ducks, and eventually that's going to manifest itself. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we, we both put the picked the Ducks in six. We're recording this right after um, Kucherov scored an overtime goal to mark the 11th goal of Game 3 in a bizarre, bizarre Game 3 between the uh, Lightning and the uh, and the Rangers. Like, just soft goals all around. And, and a lot of the goals were just really, really dumb. And even, like, Kucherov beat him with like, – he was he was in the middle of three guys three Rangers guys and just said I'll shoot it and then Lundqvist was just like oh crap and it went over his shoulder and in it was just a bizarre game for both those teams I mean you kind of expect the the Lightning to score a few goals but how many goals did they, like how many I forget what was the score of game two they scored five in game two didn't they um so when, I don't remember yeah, this in game two they scored six. Six, yeah. So that's twelve goals on Henrik Lundqvist in two games. You don't see that. No, that's that's unusual. Um, yeah. They have to stop allowing five. They want to keep winning, but the reality is they've got a home game with a chance to go up three-one. And this Ranger team has been down three-one before, but still. Yeah, that's the thing. If the if if the Lightning, you know, hold serve at home and go up three-one, they got to go back to New York. And then if New York makes it three to two, everyone's going to write all the uh, like you talked about guys having articles in their back pocket before everybody's going to write the, the like if it's three, two going back to lightning, everybody's going to write the, uh, Oh, this is game seven for the lightning column, yeah. right? Like they can't go back to New York. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. I have the same column that people wrote uh, before the game six against Montreal. Just replace some of the names. Did you watch uh game one of the warriors and uh, yeah, I watched that on target rockets. Like I honestly, I, like I watched that entire game too, and I I couldn't like the entire time I was thinking like like I was picturing the ghost of James Naismith like floating over that game, watching the the Warriors just doing what they were doing, where they were just flying up and down the court, crisp passes, you know, making hockey assists and getting wide open like stealing wide open threes, dunks, everything, and then just and and it was a close game, and and the Rockets like played well, played really well, and they 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 made a run at the end there and. You know, you should commend him. But, like, I just – I picture the ghost of James Naismith, like, watching that game going, yeah, see, this is what I wanted when I created this game was just the Warriors flying around like they were. Yeah. Um, do you think it's Warriors-Cavs in the finals? Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I, I think the Warriors are going to relatively easily win the title. Yeah. I, I Like, it certainly doesn't seem like – anything could stop them because they're they're just so much deeper than every other team and they're playing better than every other team and you watch the Cavaliers today and the Cavaliers like they've got LeBron James who's obviously the best player in the world but they still do that thing when they get tight late in games where they just run um you know Bill Simmons used to call it the clogged toilet offense where they give it to LeBron and then it's just hey LeBron get the ball and then we'll stand in the corner and try to rebound, I guess, maybe. I don't know. So, 
I don't really trust him in a uh, series with the Warriors if the Warriors are flying around making all sorts of threes and whatnot. Yeah, I, well, it's just it, they're they're so hard to defend, and if if they had love, then maybe they could make it a series. But they don't, so here we are. Yeah, but we'll we'll talk about the NBA Finals when it's actually. Uh, NBA final time. As much as I think the, the two teams, and especially with the way Carroll went up tonight to Cleve offer for Atlanta, I think they're going to have a real hard time um, competing with the Cavaliers. So, and I'm pretty pissed off the Lakers jumped two to get the number two pick. Like, what a bunch of crap that was. Never ends with that team, I swear to God. Although I really did enjoy the last two years where they were never even close to the playoffs and completely embarrassed themselves. At every opportunity. Didn't you at least if you take some solace in the fact that the Knicks fell two spots? That made me feel pretty good about it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the Knicks don't win titles, man. Like, this is this is a like how many how many teams that are considered quote unquote in all of sports? How many teams are considered quote unquote storied franchises? Because the Knicks are considered a storied franchise. The Knicks have one title, one, and they won it in the seventies. Yeah, but they're like, still uh, an extremely high-profile team because they play in New York. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I know they're whole high-profile, but like, I don't know. I mean, I guess the Rangers, because I mean, the Rangers only have you know one cup in the last fifty years and whatnot. And again, the the Leafs are considered a uh, storied franchise, and they haven't won since you know six since you know Kennedy was president. And uh, it was it was still Johnson. <laughs> Was it? Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was 68, right? When, uh, Seven. Six, well, it was 68 when Kennedy. 63, Kennedy was shot. Ah, God damn it. Not up on my U.S. presidents. Um, I don't know. It's just weird with, with the whole Knicks thing. Um, although, it's pretty hilarious to me. I was looking at the draft board today, and it's pretty hilarious to me that like the Sixers have been tanking for God knows how long now. And the Lakers not only have a pick that's two spots ahead of them, but they have twice as many picks in the first round as the Knicks do or as the Sixers do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What are these other teams doing, man? It's nonsense. If you go look at the picks owed section on the Philadelphia 76ers on the real GM website, there is a lengthy list of picks owed to the 76ers. So yeah, they only have the one first rounder this year, but there's more coming. There, there's lots more coming in the years in the years ahead. Okay, that's good. I mean, my Celtics have something like I don't know, eighteen picks in the next three drafts or something. I think the Sixers like, may have more. Yeah, it's possible. And, and, first round and, picks by the. Um, they're probably getting. They're probably they're gonna have their own pick and probably picks from both the Lakers and the Heat next season. Yeah, and. Um, and the you know the Sixers picks will be high too. The Celtics are always going to be hanging around, you know, fifteen or higher. Which yeah, I don't know when the Sixers actually start to get good because for all of the losing that they have done, how many sure things as far as being very very good NBA players have they acquired via this losing? Yeah, the answer and, might be zero. Yeah, and the the best player they have is you know just sat out a year with a busted foot. And, right. And, well, and, and we don't know what Embiid's going to be like when he comes back. Uh, the, no. the most sure thing they've got is Noel. And yeah. Noel seems like he's a decent player. And if and if the I'll, NBA has I taught will, us anything, you never want to get nervous about tall guys and foot injuries. Yeah, those, yeah, bad. 
And yeah. Noel, and he's a guy with an injury history too, is Noel going to be a guy that he's your best player and you win a title with him? I don't think so. I think Noel can no. be a contributing player. He can be a good player. Yeah, I think if, if Noel's got to be at least number two, probably number three if you're going to win a uh, NBA title with him on your team. You're definitely not winning one with him as your best player. But he is a very good NBA player. I don't want to take him take anything away from him. I just don't think he's the number one one type of guy. Right. But I also don't want to scorch myself on these hot takes I'm giving right now. Um, I don't even think there are. I think that's relatively standard industry opinion. But Yeah, that's true. Um, Craig Needles, it was fun doing this uh, quickie podcast with you. We weren't supposed to have one this week. But uh, like I said, anytime the, the Toronto franchises get – a crazy appearance or get a, get a crazy free agent signing. I mean, it doesn't happen that often. And I'm going to let you get off and let you revel in the, or let you bask in the glory of everybody else's uh, hate hard on the, uh, on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Um, Do you want to come back and do some of our, uh, some of our more nerd related stuff anytime? Yeah, whatever you want. Like, just, I don't know, like, would you like to come on and do any of the commentaries or anything? They're a lot of fun, because for most of them, I don't know if you listen to any of them, but a lot of them, we just get drunk, and it's just me yelling at, you know, bad stuff going on in comic book movies. Which, uh, yeah, hey, as long as it's something that I'm relatively familiar with the subject matter. Yeah, which, with, you know, which you've been, you know, privy to on more than one occasion, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll... I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll ask you next time we're we're about to do that because usually we don't even plan them. Usually I, people message me and they're like, "You want to do it?" and I'm just like, "Hell yeah, let's do it." Um, so yeah, we'll we'll think about getting you in on some of those. Anyway, it's great talking to you. Congratulations on Mike Babcock. Exciting days. Yeah. Take care, everybody.